every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress, you are my portion, you are my hiding place, I believe you are the
Sing it again. Oh, there's nothing. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. I'm not afraid. You're the only 
Can you give him praise today? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, everything we're doing today, Lord, is for your glory and for your goodness today. And we give you the honor, Lord. We pray that you would just dwell with us today, Jesus.
simple words together. It's all about you. 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 So I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry. about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Let's just we just sing that again? It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Just, just for a quick moment. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that that would just be the prayer of our heart today. Lord, it's not about problems that we face outside of this building. It's not about so many different things. Lord, right now, in this moment, in this time, Lord, it is literally about you, about worshiping you, about giving you the honor that you deserve, about placing our eyes on you. And today we do that gladly, Lord. You are worth all of our time. You are worth our focus, our attention right now. And Lord, I thank you that we get to do that together. We get to, to sing about it so that it's embedded into our heart and our mind. Lord, we love you today. And we thank you that, Jesus, you are the center of it all. Lord, let your blessing be on your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. So good to see you today, and uh, what a great way to go into greeting time. It's all about you, Jesus, and what a great thing to focus on because he is the one that we worship and we focus on. Amen? Amen. Hey, let's take a few moments and greet each other today. God bless you. Well, good morning. How many have enjoyed the hot, humid summer weather? How many have been enjoying that this past week? Anybody here? Maybe a couple of you? Yeah, okay. That's fine. Well, it is good to see you here today. I'm so glad you got to greet each other and spend some time just talking, enjoying each other's company. If you are our guest here today, 
We have connect cards in front of you. If you could complete those, and at the conclusion of our time this morning, bring them out to the uh, guest services desk, and we would like uh, nothing more than to put a gift in your hand. Take that card from you, and officially thank you for being here today. Uh, we love having our guests here at uh, Praise Assembly. We just, um, uh, if you could do that, that would be a tremendous help to us. Ushers, if you could come, we're, gonna, we're going to receive our morning tithe and offering. So as we, as we prepare to do that, let's pray together. Lord, we recognize your greatness today. We recognize that the earth is yours and everything in it. And so today, this moment is an act of worship that reflects your ownership, that reflects the fact that we belong to you. And not only that, but we trust you with our future. And I pray that you would bless this offering in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I believe gave sight to the blind. I believe that the dead came to life. I believe there were wonders and signs, and you're still the same. I believe every word that you said. I believe there are scars in your hands, that your goodness is good without end. And you'll never change I will tell of your wonders Sing of your grace The God of creation Knows me by name The Lord is faithful Yesterday, now and always Always Your mercy is mighty Age after age
Amen. Thank you, worship team. Hey, how many got your bulletin when you came in? Aren't our greeters amazing that we have here at Praise? You walk in in a terrible mood. You walk, you see their incredible faces and your days change. We appreciate all of our greeters here. You guys do a fantastic job. And part of what you do is make sure everybody gets one of these. So I know that you, with bated breath, are waiting to hear all the things that are going on, and you really need to pay attention. There's all kinds of things happening here. As we said last week, for those that helped out with our stellar VBS, thank you so very much. You did an incredible job, and we really, truly appreciate you. Uh, we have uh, this week, we have a big week in Praise Youth tomorrow. We're, uh, it's our first day of summer serve, and we're going to be, for those 15 and older, we're going to be heading to the Philly Dream Center tomorrow morning. And then Tuesday, uh, we're going to be heading in that morning to Towers Beach. So, um, Please, um, I've been putting the word out, but if you haven't gotten that word for whatever reason, please reach out to me to t today. But yeah, Towers Beach is on the 11th. That is an actual free event. Should clap, be excited. It's a free event, parents. You'd be like, yes, a free event. And uh, so we're excited about that uh, happening this Tuesday. Uh, our Wednesday night Bible study, one you do not want to miss, our adult Bible study, Wednesday night begins this Wednesday, uh, Compassion Without Compromise. You read the bio there, you can see. But uh, please make this a priority, and you will be encouraged, blessed, strengthened um, uh, because of it. So again, that begins this Wednesday, the 12th. Uh, our adult life group, the seven C's of his story, is already happening today, uh, already happened this morning. Our ra uh, Ranger Kids some f uh, Summer Fun Day, Ranger Kids Summer Fun Day is going to be happening on Saturday the 22nd. They're not old enough to go on some of the camp out um, uh, events, but here's something we're going to have for them on July 22nd. Uh, don't forget our Girls Ministry Honors Ceremony. The Girls Ministry Honors Ceremony will be, will be happening on August 31st which is a uh, Wednesday night, I believe yeah, it's Wednesday night. Uh, make sure you make note of that. And then lastly, our men's picnic cookout will be on August 5th, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Walters home. It is always a great time. Crabs, burgers, swimming, horseshoes, archery, fun, knife fighting. No, I'm just kidding. We're just adding those things in there. Uh, we've got all kinds of things that'll be going on that day, so please make note of that. Bring your, bring your son out, bring your grandson out with you, and we promise you you'll have an incredible day. I'd like to leave you with this video here from Convoy of Hope. Hi, this is Hal Donaldson of Convoy of Hope coming to you from Ukraine. Today, millions of meals and millions of dollars in emergency supplies have been distributed to both refugees and to families inside Ukraine. From warehouses in Poland and Romania, we're also serving refugees in nine neighboring countries. Poland, Romania, Slovakia, Moldova, Lithuania, Bulgaria, Austria, Germany, and Hungary. But because families continue to migrate west, we're expanding the relief effort to additional countries. Convoy of Hope is committed to working in the region long after the war is over. And to that end, we've put together a long-term strategy so that we can meet as many needs as possible. Many Ukrainians have expressed their deep appreciation for your support. As one refugee said, we will never forget that you came and you stayed and you helped us when we needed you the most. You know, it's been almost a year and a half since Russia invaded Ukraine, February 24th of last year. 
and Convoy was there immediately. We have been involved as a church. We took offerings at that time and uh, forwarded them to Convoy. We're going to do that in a moment again as well because it's been that long since we've done anything other than we did send a missions team to Poland to renovate a building for Ukrainian refugees. So the need is still great. And one of the neat things about Convoy is that not only are they the first in, and, and I don't want to be boastful, but I think they're there even before the, before the Red Cross of anywhere shows up. Not only are they there first, but they stay longer until the needs are met. And so I'm going to ask for your help this morning. So again, it's been a year and a half since we have received any kind of offering for this need. But they are constantly going in into as far east as they can in Ukraine, as well as uh, Hal mentioned, the surrounding nations where refugees are also being cared for. So whatever you can give this morning be much appreciated. You can go online as well. We have a button, Convoy of Hope. Just go ahead and do it through there. We'll know it's for this specific need. doesn't say Ukraine. It probably says one day to feed the world. But we want to bless Convoy as they seek to bless these refugees. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your supply in our lives. We thank you for the peace that we have in our nation. And Lord, during this vacation period of the year, we're not giving a lot of thought to war or devastation or all the brutality that's taking place in Ukraine right now. But Lord, I pray that we would be reminded and that we'd care enough, Lord, to give to even the least of these. Lord, that you'd bless each one as we bring this offering. Lord, that you'd bless this offering and multiply it to meet the needs of those who are so hurting right now. And we ask your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. I should probably have you play until the rain slows down. <laughs> I hope you can hear me okay this morning. Um, <clears throat> we'll do the best we can. But you know what? You're in, the, you're in a really good place right now. <laughs> you're not running through a parking lot. In fact, I'm looking out and see somebody is running in with a big umbrella. So they're soaked. If they come in here, I'll let you know. It's funny. I mean, they could be going to the Indian church. I don't know. Oh, it's that time of year, isn't it? Pastor Hans talked about our, our greeters being so good and you come in all grumpy. No, I think actually a day like today, you come in sleepy. Welcome to Sleepy Hollow Assembly of God. It's once every summer, middle of July, right? So let's just do a collective, get that out of the way, and then I'll preach, okay? Anyways, um, I'm trying to upstage Pastor Hans. He thinks... He thinks he's funny. He, sh- he shouldn't quit his day job. That's what I'm just, okay. I mean, I know better, but he's, he's learning. Anyways, we're going to continue our series today, Jesus Said. Jesus Said. And I want us to begin by reading from Mark chapter 10, verse 13. It'll be up on the screen. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, he said to his disciples, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the rain subsiding right now. We thank you, Lord, for your word today. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts as well as our minds. 
God, that you would go deep into our souls this morning. We ask for your Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. And that he would do it with your word for a harvest in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So listen, in this passage that we just read, and you'll find this in all three synoptic gospels. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this account. And pretty much intact, just as we read moments ago. Although Mark gives us a little bit more information, that's why I've chosen Mark uh, to, to talk about this issue today. Mark goes a little deeper than Matthew. And I want you to know that this is one of the most significant moments in the Gospels concerning Jesus addressing the topic of children. Now, there is one other that we're going to look at later on in this message. In fact, it's a much sterner message from Jesus about our responsibility towards children. But, but this much we know, this much we can clearly see here, is that children were very special to Jesus. Amen? Children were very special to Jesus. And apparently that was not a common value in his day. After all, you know, you look at the way these verses begin, and it begins the same in each of the three Gospels. It tells us that people were bringing their children to Jesus, and the disciples rebuked them. The disciples rebuked them, and I, I wonder if the attitude of the disciples was simply a mere reflection, again, of the attitude and the culture of that day. But again, I believe that children are special to Jesus because as soon as he learns about the disciples rebuking the parents and the children, Jesus rebukes them. He rebukes his own disciples. It's stated in verse 14 that he became indignant. And the dictionary definition of the word indignant is feeling or showing anger or annoyance. And know, Jesus is ticked. And I want, your, I want to remind you, one of the things that Jesus did in his earthly ministry, and he lived this out in front of everyone, and by the way, he lived it more than he preached it. You know, sometimes we look for things that Jesus said. I think today what you're going to see is what Jesus did. And what he did spoke much louder than words. He lived this more than he preached it. Jesus was concerned about the marginalized in society. He really cared about lifting, lifting up those who are confined to low stature in the culture of his day. And I, and I share this as a defense of Christianity. You know, people like to put down Christianity as being restrictive, as being too narrow and, and binding people. But I'm going to tell you what, Christianity is superior to every other belief system on earth. And it always has been. I said it is superior. Christianity, our faith in Christ is superior to every other belief system on earth. Because you see, whereas all other religions and even secular society belittled the worth of women and children, Jesus, by his example, elevated them in their status. As I've already mentioned, he rarely preached it. Instead, he influenced it through his behavior. Jesus taught as a model, a living model. He gave dignity to the least of these in his day and age, his time and culture. He gave dignity to women. And here we can see that he gave dignity and protection to children. You see, children in that day were basically a supply of cheap labor, slave labor. In fact, even in the Greek language and used in Scripture, in the Greek language, the word for child is technon, which is neuter in gender. 
and gender. There, there's not, no mention of male or female, which basically signifies how insignificant a child was based upon the common language. And so today, based upon the few verses that we've read, I want to help you to understand that children have always been the subject or have always been subject to neglect or even worse, exploitation and abuse throughout the millennia. All because they're too young to have a voice and a vote. And I believe that Satan has always had a, he's always had a desire for children. Satan's strategy has changed and has shifted slightly over the centuries. But I'm telling you, at its very core, it is always a desire to steal and to kill and to destroy. In Old Testament times, so often we read about the immolation of children, newborns. How hundreds of children every year would be burned to death in order to honor the God of Molech. In the time of the Roman Empire, even the emperors would take a boy, castrate them, keep them for their own sexual pleasure. Historian Tom Holland in his book Dominion tells of the debauchery of Rome, of how Emperor Nero killed his mother, kicked his pregnant wife to death, and then dressed himself as a woman to be married to a man. In the summer of 64 AD, he authorized a citywide public orgy in Rome. And at this event, it was legal for any woman, regardless of her social status or age, to be violated with impunity. History also tells us of centuries of child labor, old stories and plays, and even movies have been made. Although they tend to gloss over what life was really like. It gives us just a sampling, if you will. It's a reminder of how children, how life used to be for children. Stories like Oliver, written by Charles Dickens in the 1830s, talk about street children. Also in the 1830s in America, girls were pressed into labor in the textile mills in Lowell, Massachusetts, other northeastern towns. Uh, girls as young as 14, working 12 hours a day and even longer. And you know, it wasn't until 1938 that laws were passed, 1938, that laws were passed in the United States that prohibited children younger than 14 from working. And they could not be forced to work more than 40 hours a week. Now, prior to that law going into effect, my own father, at about the age of nine, in the 1920s, had to quit school and worked at least 10 hours a day to earn three to four dollars a week to help his family. You see, for centuries, children were robbed of their childhood and the basics of nurturing. And it seems to have always centered around using their bodies either for labor or for sex. Now, today, labor doesn't even remotely factor into Satan's plan for stealing innocence from the children. But sex is still part of it. And Satan keeps going further and further and further, and he's going for the mind. And so I want you to know that our children today need to be protected from the latest onslaught from Satan. And we also need to be aware that, that all of us are being influenced. All of us are being pressured and influenced to accept the world's standards about such things. I mean, listen to me. There is a hard-pressed effort to get Christians to sympathize with sinners. That's the latest and one of the ways that this is happening is that Christians are being seduced into trying to express their compassion for sinners by compromising. And you don't have to. Jesus didn't. Jesus had great compassion for the lost. Amen? 
but he never joined in. He never joined in or approved of sinful behavior. Double amen. Think about the incident concerning the woman caught in adultery. The religious leaders, they were ready to stone her to death. And they, they would have been acting within the parameters of the laws of their day. But Jesus had compassion on her. And so he challenged her detractors to throw their stones at her, providing that they themselves had no sin inside of themselves. And as we all know, they dropped their stones and walked away. But please understand something. Jesus was not condoning this woman's sin. He was never approving of her sin. He was never approving of her lifestyle. He was compassionate. And he saved her life. But he did not compromise. The last thing, the last thing that Jesus said to her, after this expression of mercy, he said to her, go and sin no more. He didn't leave her in her sin. Do you, see what I'm, do you see what I see here? And so we have got to stop compromising our beliefs in order to accommodate sin. Hello? And this goes way back. I mean, 50 years ago, alcoholism was considered sin. Today, it's a disease. Abortion is horrific and archaic and sinful, but today it's considered a woman's right to reproductive care. Living with someone. Having sex before marriage used to be considered a sin. And, and I mean, the list goes on. And so I see our government and I see the media working on us, working against the church, trying to soften us. And it's all fueled by Satan's strategies. And he has a strategy. Believe me. Listen to Ephesians 6.11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And the word for schemes that I just read here is the Greek word methodios, meaning methods or strategy. And what Satan is doing today is trying to make the church feel insecure about his stand on righteousness. I do not have to apologize for righteousness because the righteousness isn't my own. My own righteousness is as filthy rags, Isaiah chapter 64. It's his righteousness by his blood that cleanses me of all sin. I do not have to feel ashamed. I mean, he's, and Satan and this world is trying to make us feel repulsed by our own standards. Do you understand? I do not have to, I do not have to apologize for my standards when they're based on Scripture. And yet we're being asked to do that. We're being asked to compromise our values. Satan wants us to feel apologetic for speaking out against sinful behavior. Satan wants us to feel ashamed. But I agree with the Apostle Paul. Listen to this. Romans 1.16. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then to the Gentile. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation for anyone who would believe. And if we don't believe it, they're not going to believe it. It's the power of God to transform lives. It's the power of God to eradicate sin. It's the power of God to clothe us in righteousness. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ that set me free from a life of drunkenness. And the fact is that if we hold to biblical values and, we hold, and, and biblical beliefs, then the world is going to point its finger and it's going to label us as a, as a bigot. Amen? 
They're going to accuse us of being hateful and being intolerant. Satan has incited this world that we live in to join with him and accuse the brothers. Revelation 12.10 says that Satan is the accuser of the brothers, meaning believers. He's the accuser of the brothers. And his emissaries are trying to make us feel ashamed. Talk about peer pressure. You know what? No one likes being accused of being mean-spirited. I don't. I've had fingers waved at me. Hopefully you have too. You know, no one likes being accused of being mean-spirited or intolerant or unaccepting or unkind. You know, I mean, hey, name-calling. I've been called some names over the years. But I don't want anyone to think I'm unkind. Really, I don't. I don't. And that's exactly what the media is doing in painting a picture of the church. That's what government is trying to do and legislate against that. But listen to what Jesus said in John 15, 19. This is a wake-up call. Jesus said, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. That makes sense. But as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. You know, even if you don't open your mouth, the world's still going to hate you because they hated him. He's called us out of this world. Let me remind you of an old axiom that we used to all know by heart and is based upon this verse as well as what John says later on in his epistles. We are in the world, but not of the world. You've heard that, right? We are in the world, but not of the world. And again, folks, we are being groomed. The church is being groomed by government laws and by the media to accept sin, to accept sinful behavior, to accept sinful lifestyles. And of course, my concern is for the children today. And understand this, that just as we're being groomed, our kids are being heavily groomed. We can't just put our head in the sand. And scripture tells us that the only solid defense against these lies and perversions of the devil is the word of God and parents who believe the word of God. Please understand this. Parents have always been part of God's design. I said parents have always been part of God's design. We cannot, parents cannot step back. We've got to be right in there. Our job is to protect and to guide our children. And the Old Testament in particular have much to say about this. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and chapter 11 are full of guidance as to how parents are to help their children in their spiritual formation. And in fact, both of those chapters say exactly the same thing. And I want us to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 beginning in verse 1. It says, These are the commandments and statutes and ordinances that the Lord your God has instructed me to teach you to follow in the land that you're about to enter and possess. So that you and your children and your grandchildren may fear the Lord your God all the days of your lives by keeping all his statutes and commandments that I give you so that your days may be prolonged. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, had promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words I am commanding you today are to be upon your hearts. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. 
And speak of them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as reminders on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give you a land with great and splendid cities that you did not build, with houses full of every good thing which you did not fill them, with wells that you did not dig, with vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you and he'll wipe you off the face of the earth. Do not test the Lord your God as you tested him at Massah. You are to diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and the testimonies and statutes he's given to you. Do what is right and do good in the sight of the Lord so that, you may be, that, that it may be well with you and that you may enter and possess the good land the Lord your God swore to give your fathers driving out all your enemies before you, as the Lord has said. Now listen, here's the problem. You, we, parents, we cannot teach something that we don't believe. We cannot, con- we cannot convey values that are biblical unless and until they are ours. Our kids learn what we believe by watching us. We might, we, might think, we might think it's by listening to us. But they learn it by watching us. And if you're not a Bible-believing adult, then you're going to fail at keeping God's holy standards. And then conveying those standards to your children. And you're going to lose your children. I don't, think there's, I don't think there's a bigger loss to us as parents, in particular as human beings, than to lose a child. And according to Deuteronomy chapter 6, the concern here is for children and even grandchildren. And remember a moment ago, we read from Ephesians 6, 11, which said, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, against the devil's strategies. You've got to put on the full armor of God. But I want you to listen to the verse that preceded that one. It's Ephesians six ten. It says very simply, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And what this tells me is that I need to be strong in the Lord in order to take on the strategies of the enemy. Otherwise, I'm going to be deceived just like everybody else. I need to be strong in the Lord so that I can teach my children to be strong. So that I can teach them not to succumb. I want them to be able to identify and not succumb to Satan's strategies or to yield to the pressure around them to compromise. You see, I don't have to accept the doctrines of devils that are being promoted today. Here's 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. This world is full of false doctrines. I mean, they they seem to be multiplying at the most. I'm telling you, of all of my years... I feel like false philosophies and demonic doctrines are being thrown out almost every day. There's, almost, there's something new almost every day. And by doctrines, false doctrines or doctrines, I don't, I don't mean religious doctrines, but philosophies of life. 
Folks, we're in the battle. We're in a battle for the hearts and minds of our children and our teenagers and our young adults. Listen, listen to 2 Corinthians 10.3. For though we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of the world. Instead, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we tear down arguments and every presumption set up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience as soon as your obedience is complete. I am so glad the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write those words. Arguments, presumption, thoughts, philosophies, these are all tools that Satan is using against the church and against parents and against children. And we need to tear them down. We need to tear them down. We can't accept them or apologize for believing in them. I mean, no more compromise, guys. No more compromise. No more feeling ashamed. Alcoholism is sin. God saved me from it, delivered me from it. Addiction is sin. Premarital sex is sin. Adultery is sin. Homosexuality and lesbianism is sin. People are not born as alcoholics. They're not born as addicts. They're not born as homosexuals. Trans is not a thing. It is a false philosophy. Listen, when, I, when, when we had minor children in my home, I didn't let them choose off the McDonald's menu. Why would I let them decide their gender? You understand? They all got the same thing. Five cheeseburgers, five fries. There were five of us. Why am I... It's a doctrine of devils. It's designed to steal children. To steal the innocence and the minds of children. So contrary to what Lady Gaga thinks, we are not born this way. Sin is learned. Sin is learned. Now we are born in sin. We are born original sin. The psalmist reminds us in Psalm 51, verse 5, he says, For I was born a sinner. Amen. I was born a sinner. He goes even further. I didn't just come out the womb a sinner. Listen to this. He says, Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Can you imagine? Again, sin is learned behavior. We learn to sin. We learn to exercise the ability to sin. But we are born in sin. There's a sin problem. In Romans chapter 5, we learn that it's all because of Adam's sin. Because our great, 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 however great they are, grandparents, Adam and Eve, they sinned against God. And it says in Romans 5, 12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sin. So even if you don't think you sin, you sin because you're related to the biggest sinner in mankind. He says in verse 13, To be sure sin was in the world before the law was given. Yes, it was, right from the very beginning. 
But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, for if the many died by the sin of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation of all people, Adam's sin infected every human being that would ever be born afterwards. Original sin. And by the way, I can't believe this, but I saw some fake theologian on Instagram or Facebook or somewhere talking how original sin is a joke. No, original sin is biblical. Original sin is biblical. We just read it. Just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation of all people. So also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Adam brought condemnation. Jesus Christ brings justification and righteousness to anyone who will accept it. Verse 19, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. We are born sinners, but through Jesus Christ, we can be born a second time. Isn't that incredible? I, I mean, just, just to think, I mean, you know, God, God, God is unbelievable. I mean, God and Jesus as God, Jesus is the one who explained to Nicodemus that you can be born again. And, 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 and dumb old Nicodemus, how can a man be born again? How can he go back into his mother's womb? You dummy. Really? I mean, and Jesus says, hey, you're Israel's teacher and you don't know this. I'm so glad that Jesus used the term born again. It's not enough to be born once. <laughs> Hello. It's, it's just, you've got to be born again. You were born in sin. Now you need to be born spiritually anew. You see, the, the, pro, the problem is, and, and I see more and more Christians going this way, where Christians today want to excuse their sin. They don't want to deal with it. And you do understand that we're supposed to deal with our sin. Even if you do something, even if you do something, and it, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's not a big sin. I don't, I don't want to get into classifications of sin, but it's not a big sin. You mess up today. You know what you need to do? Immediately you go to God and say, God, please forgive me. That's how you deal with sin. And what Christians want to do today is to live with their sin. Can't do that. You got to get rid of sin. Sin's a problem. Sin is a problem. We were born in sin. Jesus created a remedy by being born again to wipe away that sin. And the, the Apostle John wrote, he said, you know, if we've got sin, all we have to do is go to God and get forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9. And it says that he will cleanse us. He'll remove all that sin from us. But we've got to go to him. And what I see Christians today, Christians today are trying to identify with their sin and they want others to identify with their sin. And we're really supposed to identify with our Savior. I'm about to close, but... I promised you one other passage where Jesus spoke about children. And here it is. This is Matthew 18, verse 2. 
He called the little child to him, and he placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And then this is the part we need to pay attention to. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's a heavier indictment than the rebuke he gave his disciples. But I want to ask you, what are you doing? What are you doing to protect our children from Satan's onslaught? Now, that might include your own children, but what are you doing? To, how, about, how about I phrase it this way? What are you doing to protect all children within your influence from Satan's onslaught? And I want to give you three things you must do. Number one, be strong in the Lord. You yourself. Be a follower of Christ with conviction. You don't, you don't have to get ugly to have conviction. You just, this is what I believe, and I will not apologize for it. I mean, there are places in the world where Christians get locked up, tortured, and put to death for having this thing called conviction. And in America, it's no big deal. We don't have to have conviction. We can go with the flow. I just have to get away from you so we don't get into an argument. We're worried about an argument. And again, we've got brothers and sisters who are being locked up for what they believe. We need to be strong in the Lord. We need to be a follower of Christ with conviction. Secondly, we need to pray against the strategies of the enemy and his false, terror, his false uh, philosophies. Amen? We need to tear them down. We need to tear them down. Thirdly, we need to teach your children God's standards without compromise. They really need to know that some things are black and white. It's easy to live in the gray, but some things are black and white. And Scripture enumerates which those are. Let me give you two more freebies. Don't be afraid to confront sinful behavior. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to call one another out. Again, no need to get ugly over this. No need to embarrass anyone. But don't be afraid to label sin as sin. And finally, and I want you to listen carefully on this one. I want you, or whoever's listening to this online, to get involved in children's ministries in this church. That's, that's one place to begin. And, and I mean, I, I will say this. Our church is doing very well in this department. But we still need you to step up. And to help us train up children the way they should go. If we just sit back and we let someone else do it, someone may fall through the cracks. The world is working overtime to steal the hearts and minds of our children. And we need enough workers 
so that maybe, maybe on a Wednesday night class, whether it be boys or girls or a Sunday morning kids' church, junior kids' church, you know, maybe there'd be just that extra helper, that extra worker, maybe someone struggling, and they could actually work with that child right then and there while the class is going on. How about enlisting to serve in any one of our kids' ministries? I mean, many hands make light work, amen? Let's, let's work to, together to raise up a powerful generation. We have a responsibility. I've always felt this, and that is to protect our little ones from stumbling. Let's pray. Father God, we, we, look, around, we look around us where we live our nation as a whole, and this crazy world at large. And we do, we see the doctrines of devils, and we don't know what to do about it. And almost at times, Lord God, we admit, sometimes it just feels overwhelming. But your word makes it clear that we need to build ourselves up. We need to be strong in the Lord. We need to have conviction really trusting you, believing you. We need, to, we need to pray against the strategies of the enemy. We need to tear down the strongholds that he's trying to build. And Lord, I thank you that every one of us, whether we are parents or grandparents or maybe have never been parents, Lord, that we can still be involved in raising up a powerful generation that from the very youngest in this church all the way through young adulthood and into adulthood so that they could make a difference when we're all gone. Lord, I just thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word is truth. And we come against the lies that are in this world with the sword of the Spirit, with the truth of your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, hallelujah. Our God is not the author of confusion. And that's exactly what the enemy preys on is chaos and confusion. Our God is a God of order. And I feel like the least we can do this morning, I want you to stand where you are. I want to open this altar area like Pastor Brand to come and just play, not, not sing, just play something. And I want us to tear down the strongholds of the enemy to go against these doctrines of devils, these false philosophies. And you know what they are. You hear about it all the time in the news. You, maybe you hear about it. And, you know, it's, it's so sad. I feel, so, bad. So, I feel so, so sad for so many of you who work somewhere where you have to go through sensitivity training. You know, that's brainwashing. And I, I feel bad that you've got to go through that. We don't have that here at Praise Assembly. All we want, we want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. 
That's the sensitivity training that we all need. What does God say? What does he say written in his word? What does he say by his spirit? And you just heard a message in in tongues and interpretation. And our God is not a God of confusion. We need to have the strength to stand against culture. And that doesn't mean we have to go out protesting or, or, or raise placards and gather together. I believe we can gather right here. I believe we can, we can, in fact, you know, many times in the Old Testament, when God would spare Israel from having to go to battle, God would send confusion into the camp of the enemy. I love that. He's not the author of confusion, but he'll use the enemy's weapons against himself. And I want us to do that this morning to pray that God would send confusion into the camp of the enemy. Amen? Let's find a place of prayer as, as Pastor Brandon plays. Let's, let's go after the enemy in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you'd raise up an army right here, God. Lord, an army of adults, an army of those who are old enough to be in this service. Lord, that will pray for the welfare, for the spiritual formation of our children. Lord, who will go after the enemy with the authority of Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, God, that you would tear down those strongholds, God. We ask for you to do it, Lord. You are able, Lord. You, you're the one who always brought victory to Israel. And I, I know that you'll bring victory to your church because your word says that the gates of hell will never prevail against your church. It'll never prevail against those that you've called out. And Lord, we just come against the enemy in Jesus' name, in your own name, Lord God. We come against these doctrines of devils, Lord. Lord, I I bind the foolishness that has even entered into the hearts of some believers, Lord, where where they feel like like it's more important to be liked. It's more important to be accepted than than to hold to firm spiritual doctrine, biblical doctrine. Lord, we don't need this world's approval. Lord Jesus, you never looked to be approved by this world. All you cared about was approval of the Father. On that night you prayed and you said, Father, it would be possible, let this cup, let this cup of death pass from me. And then, Lord Jesus, you said, nevertheless, not my will, Father, but yours be done. You didn't want the world's approval. You wanted your Father's approval. And Lord, I pray, God, that we would gain your favor, that we would gain, that we would have your approval. Lord, that you would build up a mighty church of believers all across this nation of ours, Lord. People who will not cave in. There may be some division in the church over the issue of sin and what can be tolerated. Let it be. But Lord God, I pray that you'd raise up a strong army. And again, Father God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us. Lord, we want your Holy Spirit to lead us this morning, God. And tomorrow morning as well, Lord, to tear down strongholds. The the arguments... The pretension, the false philosophies that Satan sets up and the world jumps on and accepts, Lord, may they never be accepted in the heart of any believer. We ask this in the name of Jesus. We tear down the strongholds of the enemy in Jesus' name. Satan, I bind you. I bind you. Lord Jesus, I pray, Isaiah 61, truly that you would set the captives free. Lord, that you would release them, Lord, from their captivity and bondage and in darkness. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, there's no greater name than the name of Jesus. 
And the world hates that name. They hate that name. Lord, I pray that Christians would stop trying to identify with their sin. That they would be more concerned about identifying with their Savior, Jesus. Jesus, you have set us free. Lord, it is for your own sake that you've set us free. Galatians 5.1, you've set us free. Satan, we bind you. Again, we bind you, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You have no authority over us. You are the accuser of the brethren. We're all, the church is always going to be called names. The church is always going to be ridiculed until Jesus comes back. Lord, I pray, God, that we would be like little children ourselves. Lord, that day you called a little child to yourself and you placed your place that child between you and the disciples and you told them that they need to become like little children and never inherit the kingdom. Lord, I pray, God, that we would do that in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. pray that your church would experience victory. The battle is, is never ending. The war has been won, but the battles keep popping up. And Lord, I thank you that you will give us the victory, Lord. You will give us the victory. Father, right now, Lord, I pray for every child in our kids' church this morning and junior kids' church, Lord, I pray your hand of protection upon them. Lord, I thank you that you're watching over them at all times. Lord, that you love them so dearly. Lord Jesus, you proved it. You proved it. You rebuked your disciples for their hard-heartedness. And you showed, you proved that you love those little children. And I thank you that you love our little children. God, I pray again your protection upon them. Pray your hand upon them. Bless them in every way. I thank you for their childlike faith. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for what you said that day to your disciples and to those parents and those children. You displayed the value that those children had. They were nothing in their, in, their, in their common everyday culture. They were nothing in their society. But Lord Jesus, you elevated them. And you told everybody that day around you that they were special. And that you would bless them. You laid your hands on them and you blessed every one of them. Thank you, Lord, for what you displayed that day. And Lord, now I pray, God, for each one of us, Lord, as we leave this place, that we know that we are special in your sight as well, that you care about every one of us. Lord, I pray your blessing upon your flock today as we leave this place. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.